Hey, thanks so much for joining us on our channel today. We wanna to encourage you to subscribe and like today's video. Also, today's word is brought to you by our Truth Partners. These are people who want to financially invest to help us get this message of truth to around the nation and around the world. You can become a Truth Partner today by simply going to creativechurch.com slash give. Again, thank you for partnering with us on this message of truth, and thank you for liking and subscribing to today's video. God bless you. I pray this sermon blesses your life. Good morning, Creative Church. I said good morning, Creative Church. Are you glad to be at church today? Wow, what a great, great place to be this morning. Are you glad to be in the house of God today? Wow, what an honor to see all of you here, and I just want to say before I get going uh, that you have incredible, incredible pastors, and without them, none of this would be possible, God using them and leading them, and I just want to encourage you, stay with them. God is doing something through them, and if I was within driving distance of this church, think about how blessed you are to have been able to drive here today. Like, you're blessed. You're actually spoiled. You're spoiled. That's the problem. You, do, you don't know what you got with the pastors you have and the church that you attend. But you put, can you do me a favor? Put your hands together and let your pastors know how much you appreciate them, honor them, love them, care for them. Are you ready for the word? All right, now before you're seated, look at the person next to you. Look them right in the eye. Do me, interact with me a little bit. Look at them and say, if it wasn't for me, you would be the best looking thing in here. <laughs> and you could be seated. <laughs> like Pastor said, I'm a... Uh, I'm a pastor in the state of Mississippi. I'm originally from Ohio, and uh, my wife is from Alabama, and uh, we have been married for about 11 years. We have two little kids. I think we have some pictures to show you. Uh, that's my uh, daughter and son. She's four. He's uh, six. His name is Judah Paul. Her name is Lily Kay. I wanted a one-syllable middle name because it's easier to yell at your kids. <laughs> it's funny. Judah Paul, shut your mouth. Anyway, here's a... Here's a few other pictures. Look at that. Look at that. It didn't take much for Mississippi to get all over him. <laughs> and then there's my daughter, Lily Kay. Lily Kay, they are my life, and I'm so thankful for my children. Um, my wife is here somewhere, and my wife's back there. I said this first service. I'll say it again. I keep trying to convince my wife to let us have a third baby. How many of you are in agreement with that? Just feel the word. All right, stretch your hands forward. Command the womb to open. <laughs> somebody asked me, said, you must really like kids. No, I just really like her. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I'm having fun. I'm having fun. But first service, Pastor was here for a few moments, and I know he's between campuses. Uh, he was here for a few moments, and I just told them, now, you don't stretch your hands toward her. <laughs> you two, you know, we don't want Brokazog anointing, but other than that. I don't want 47 babies. <laughs> so today I want to talk to you. I really felt when Pastor called me to come, I, I really sensed in my spirit the message. I, I, I'm not just saying this. When I go out, oftentimes I'll send two or three messages because I don't know what I'm going to preach until I get in the room. Sometimes I got to fill the room out and fill the church out, and I've never been here, so I didn't know. And there was a message way back in my files, that as soon as I heard I was supposed to come here, I just knew this was the word for the church. And I don't do that often, and I don't want to speak too confidently, but I am certain what I'm going to share with you today, I feel the Lord had impressed on my heart to share with Creative Church uh, this weekend. I guess a good, a good place to start is simply this, uh, we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I've come to the understanding, I'm a pastor's kid. I'm one of five children. All of us are serving in ministry. My mom and dad still serve in ministry to this day. That not everyone, not everyone wants the Holy Spirit in their lives. 
From years of being involved with church, there are some people that just that don't want more of the Holy Spirit. And I've come to the conclusion that there are three reasons why. Number one, poor representation of the Holy Spirit. They've seen some weird stuff done in the name of the Holy Spirit, and they're like, no thanks. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I was raised Pentecostal. There is absolutely nothing you can do to scare me in church. <laughs> true story. I remember I was in a service playing piano. This is a true story. Uh, a woman started to choke on her gum and went into total convulsions. And in the church I was growing up in, if she, and she was okay, a guy had to jump the chair, gave her the Heimlich, she, she coughed the gum out, she lived. But I thought to myself, if she did that at my dad's church, she would have died. <laughs> we would have let her, been like, Lord's all over her. And she's like, So sometimes a poor representation of the Holy Spirit. Number two, incorrect teaching about the Holy Spirit. Number three, personally satisfied without the Holy Spirit. And I want you to understand this. In the beginning, the Bible lets us know that Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. The apostles were filled with the Holy Spirit. The early church was empowered and led and filled with the Holy Spirit. And let me just tell you today, if they had the Holy Spirit then, how much more do we need the Holy Spirit now with social media and deception and lies and crazy stuff going on in our world today? Can I get a big Mississippi amen? Yeah. Now, hey, I just want to take a moment and let you know that today's sermon is brought to you by our truth partners. If you're interested in being a truth partner, simply go to creativechurch.com slash give and select Truth Partners today. Again, please subscribe and like today's video. It's blessing you. It's blessing your family. And hey, let's get back to the Word. In regards to the Holy Spirit, I just want to take you through, uh, through this today. Mark chapter number 1. Mark chapter number 1, verse 9. It says, In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately, everybody say immediately, immediately, he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. The Holy Spirit like a dove. Throughout the pages of your Bible, you will see that the Holy Spirit is oftentimes depicted as water, oil, Wind, fire. In this particular text, the Holy Spirit is referred to like a dove. It is not saying that the Holy Spirit is a dove. It is letting us know for our human understanding to comprehend that the Holy Spirit is like a dove. That there are attributes to the Holy Spirit that are similar to the attributes to a dove. Matthew chapter 21, a story in the Bible that I find fascinating when we'll take the rest of our message today. Matthew chapter 21, maybe you've heard this story, maybe you haven't, it's really interesting. Verse 12, then Jesus went into the temple of God. First off, aren't you glad Jesus goes to church? Jesus went to the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple, and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. It goes on to say, then the blind, he said this to them, it is written, my house shall not be called, or shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Verse 14, then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And, he, and, and said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants you have perfected praise? It's an interesting story. 
I've heard it many times where it preached that Jesus comes in and sees two people, two groups of people, money changers and, and those that sold doves. Well, in my study for this, I wanted to know a little more about the money changers and those who are selling sacrifices. Those are the two groups referenced that Jesus was irritated at in the story. And so as I began to study, I found out that money changers and those who sold doves were a legitimate service in that day. You see, when people would come from all over three times a year to Jerusalem to make sacrifices, upon their arrival, they would come in and they would bring their finances or their coins or their currency from their region and they would come in to, uh, to use in the temple and they weren't allowed to use that. So they had to have a legitimate service that exchanged their finances. Just like when you and I travel abroad, we have to exchange our currency to match their currency. That was the same idea. If you had a pagan god on it, you couldn't use it in this temple. If it was from this region, you couldn't use it in this temple. So they had, had an exchange situation. Well, the problem that they ran into was that the individuals who were money changers then began to charge high interest. And Jewish history shows that they would take those coins and begin to shave off pieces of silver and save a little bit at a time, then later melting it together, profiting more off of those individuals who were just coming to the house of God. That, that was the money changers. Well, what about those who, who sacrificed or who sold sacrifices? Those individuals as well, that was a legitimate service. You see, people were traveling from all over, and when they would arrive, they, they didn't bring their lambs and their sacrifices to be brought into the temple. They couldn't. They were oftentimes traveling, many of them, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 miles to get to the temple. So with their kids and their caravan and their tents and their luggage, they couldn't bring everything, so they would buy the sacrifices in the temple. Again, nothing necessarily wrong with it. The problem was those that were selling it, according to Jewish history, were using animals that were not appropriate for worship. The Bible lets us know in the Old Testament those that were sacrifices had to be particular types of animals. They couldn't, be, they couldn't have blemishes, they couldn't have spots, they couldn't be sick, anything. Well, the individuals that were selling sacrifices were doing just that. They were taking the scraps, the runts, the sickly, the, the one with the, the spots and the ones that were sick, and selling them and bartering them off at the temple for the cheapest, or for bargains and things like that. So Jesus comes in, and he sees these groups of people. These things started, hear me, as legitimate services. And now... Jesus comes in, and what he sees, just sees that the temple has become something it was never meant to be. Jesus comes in and sees that church had turned into something it was never meant to be. I think some of you can relate to that, that in the time of church, I believe that church can change and turn into something it was never meant to be. Am I talking to anybody? A.W. Tozer said one time that if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. Church could just easily become something it was, was never meant to be. A social gathering, a place where we, we find pretty people to date, or a place that we just come to check off the religious box. And Jesus comes in and says, this is not what church is about. And the Bible says in verse 12 that he overturned the tables and the money changers and the seats. I love that the Holy Spirit did not leave out this verbiage. And the seats of those who sold doves. And the seats. He saw what, he saw something in the house of God and became so irritated that the physical manifestation of God on the earth, Jesus, the Son of God, flips tables and turns over chairs of those who sold doves. Now, interesting enough that history says that in those times, they would take those doves, those sacrifices, and they would put a leash on that dove, and they would put it on a little rope, 
and they would pin that dove to the earth so that that dove could only fly so high, could only go so far, and could never get away. It was just in circles, moving in circles. Couldn't get out, couldn't go far. When it would try, it would pull back down. Isn't that an interesting image of what we've done with the Holy Spirit? What we've done with the Holy, the Holy Spirit in our churches, what we've done with the Holy Spirit in our lives. You see, we love the Holy Spirit in a predictable pattern. We like our churches and our families to be in a safe and controlled environment, something that we can control. We don't want the Holy Spirit to disrupt our lives too much. Well, we like the Holy Spirit on Sunday, but we don't like the Holy Spirit on Tuesday. <laughs> we don't want the Holy Spirit to speak up and tell us we can't date him. But we love Holy Spirit on Sunday. So we, we, we pin the Holy Spirit down to fit our preferences. We want the Holy Spirit to just move in a way that we like, in a way that we approve of. And if we're not careful, it's just easy to compartmentalize God. And tell him what he can do, and where he can do it, and how he can do it, and, and when he can do it. And when, when, when it's all said and done, the reality of it is that, that we're not serving God. God's serving us. We're not following God. God's following us. We've pinned him down to fit our preference. No longer are we following a God who shapes what we believe. We've shaped God and told him what we believe. Am I talking to anybody? It's almost like we pin the Holy Spirit down and say, stay there, don't move. It, it's, it's not only what we don't want him to do, it's also what we don't think he can do. We don't think the Holy Spirit, after all these years, that God can touch our marriage. If you knew, Pastor Ethan, I could hear some of you say, if you knew how sick my son and daughter is on drugs, you... It's been so long. I don't know if it could ever get better. I don't know if God could ever do anything. So we just pin the Holy Spirit down and we just expect nothing from God. Here's what's interesting about doves in my study is that doves are not easily domesticated. You just can't pin a dove down and expect it to be healthy. The interesting thing about, about doves is that their, their feathers are very loose. Meaning that if a predator were to reach up like a cat or something to try to grab it, when it was flying away, its feathers would fall off real easy, preventing the prey from keeping it. And I think that's a lot like the Holy Spirit. That when we or denominations try to corner the Holy Spirit, the dove can loosen his feathers and fly away. That meaning that nobody has a market on the Holy Ghost. Nobody gets to say, I got something you don't got. No denomination gets to say that, that we have something special that you don't have. No, 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 no. We don't get to just grab the Holy Spirit. Jesus said the Holy Spirit is like a wind. It blows where it wants to go. But we want to grab the Holy Spirit, pin him down, and say, this is where you belong. And Jesus comes to church, and he sees what they've done. And he sees the Holy Spirit pinned down. I mean the dove pinned down. He sees what, what's happened and he becomes so irritated. The scripture lets us know that he turns over tables. He flips over chairs. Jewish history lets us know that they believe that Jesus went in physically and set the doves free himself. That Jesus went in and set the dove free. Can I tell you today that wherever Jesus is magnified, the dove will fly. I've heard it said like this, that when we raise up the lamb, the dove will descend. That when we focus on Jesus, when we focus on his grace and his mercy, when we in our own lives begin to focus on his power and his grace, the Holy Spirit begins to move in our lives.
What's interesting, you know, like I said, I, I'm a pastor's kid. I've been a part of youth ministry, and I've been a part of different kinds of churches, and I've, been, I've preached in prisons, and I've, I've done student ministry, kids ministry, preached overseas. Done all, I've just done a bunch of cool stuff that God's given me the opportunity to do. And, and, and with those things that, with, with ministry, when you get to do those things, what's really cool is you get to see different settings, you get to see, meet different kinds of people, you get to travel, you get to, you get to do church. And, and I've been in some great environments, great buildings, great churches, big crowds, little crowds, don't matter, any denomination. But can I tell you something? That, that there are churches that, that I don't think they want the dove to fly. And when you go to certain churches where the dove flies, it's a different kind of church, isn't it? When you go to a church, when the worship begins to fill the room and the power of God begins to be, begin to be felt and the presence of God begins to fill the hearts and the faith begins to stir, it's just like that dove flies in the room and, and lives begin to be stirred and changed and hearts begin to become transformed and teenagers can get off of drugs. Why? Because, because the dove was in the room. Something happens when God's presence is welcome in that place. You know, in my heart of hearts, can I tell you today, I'm just not interested in pastoring a church where the dove don't fly. I, I, when I moved to Mississippi, I told God, I, you know, it's a good church. It's a great building, great facility. And I told God, God, I can't go and just be plastic church. I can't go and just do plastic preaching. I got to be me. I grew up believing that the Holy Spirit still moves today. I grew up believing in signs and wonders and miracles. I, I grew up believing that his presence, when it is in the room, can change lives supernaturally, that, that God could do something in a minute that a 40-minute sermon can't do. And when I went to Mississippi, I told the church, I said, church, I got to just, if you let me just preach and believe the way I, and just get the dove in the house, I promise you, you're going to see a difference in this church. If you could just see and feel and experience that presence, that life-giving power of God in the house of God, it's like something you can't explain. It's a, different kind, it's a different kind of worship service. It's a different kind of kids' ministry. It's a different kind of greeting atmosphere. The church just feels alive and well when the dove is free to fly. How many of you know what I'm talking about today? Notice what happens. Jesus goes in. He frees, he frees the dove. And watch what happens. Verse 14. Can I go to the Bible? Watch this. Verse 14. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. Did you catch that? After he set the dove free, then those that were sick and broken and, and, and hurting came to Jesus and he healed them. But he didn't heal them till the dove was free. Here's my first point if you're writing notes. When the dove is free, the people are changed. When the dove is free, the people are changed. Watch this. When you go through the pages of your Bible, you can easily, quickly see in the beginning of the church, the first century church, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives. You go to Acts chapter number two where the Holy Spirit falls and the dove comes down and all of a sudden the church is added to 3,000 people. It's like the dove just, just come down. It's like the story in Acts chapter number three where Peter and John are on, their, on the way to the temple at the hour of prayer and there's a man who's laying at the gate called Beautiful. You remember the story? While he's there, the Bible says he looks at Peter and John expecting alms of them. Peter and John says, silver and gold have we none, but such as we have give I unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise to your feet, be healed in Jesus' name. The Bible says that his ankle bones received strength and he was made whole that very moment. What happened? It's like the dove came down. Acts chapter number 4, the Bible lets us know that the church is growing and multiplying and people are seeing the miraculous hand of God because the dove came down. 
I'm sure you remember the story in Acts chapter number 8 where Saul, who was a church persecutor, he was a terrorist against the house of God. He was killing and chaining Christians. And on his way, on the road to Damascus, the Bible says a light shines from heaven and blinds him, changes him, transforms him. He calls on the Lord. He gets baptized, goes into the ministry. His name is changed to Paul. He writes two-thirds of the New Testament. How does that happen? The dove came down on just a quick Damascus road exchange from one city to another. Let me pause here. Don't you ever underestimate where the dove can fly. If the dove wants to meet your kid in a crack house, if the dove wants to show up in a hospital room, if the dove can fly past a prison bar cell and find your daughter, I've come to tell you today, you can't put limits on the Holy Ghost. Set the dove free. The Bible says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. When the dove is freed, the people, the people are changed. Point number two, if you're taking notes, when the dove is free, the religious are critical. <laughs> the religious are critical. The Bible says in verse 15 that the religious chief priests and scribes, they were indignant. They didn't like what they were seeing. They didn't like all that loo loud music. Why's it gotta be so loud? Why they got all that orange in a car in the lobby? I don't know why they gotta make all those changes. I don't know why they gotta, oh, they got all those students there worshiping God, brainwashing everybody. Just religious people can get critical. And the Bible's letting us know, watch this, I love where, look, notice where the religious people are in church. Notice where the critical people are in church. Bible gives us precedent that critical people, you're in here right now. I can't find you. In fact, just pull, point them out. No, I'm just kidding. Say, don't do that. 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 Seeing if anybody did it. Here's what's interesting throughout the, the book of Acts. Not only was there great power and great presence, there was also great persecution. It's always somebody got to say something. Like I just said, Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes down, the dove comes down, people are being filled with the Holy Spirit. God is doing a new thing on the earth. New wine has showed up. Miracles, signs, and wonders are coming. And somebody says, these guys are drunk. Because wherever there's great power, there's great persecution. Acts chapter number 3 and 4, Peter and John heal the man. The Bible says they go in uh, uh, seeing miracles and signs and wonders. And, and the next thing you know, Peter and John are arrested and beaten and threatened and imprisoned. Because where there's great power, the religious can be, can be critical. Acts chapter number 6, the church has grown to such degree that now the apostles have no time to preach or teach or pray because they're spending so much time distributing food. So they got to get a team together to find somebody who can help them distribute food to people. Once they do that, the Bible says the church begins to explode. And on the team was a man named Stephen. The church is exploding. It's revival. They're going to post that on Instagram. It's that kind of good. But Stephen, who was just brought on the church serve team, was stoned in the parking lot. Because where there's great power, there's great persecution. Everybody wants power. Everybody wants anointing. A lot of people want the Holy Spirit, but they don't want the persecution that comes with it. And Jesus is letting us know that if you're going to have it, they're going to be there too. It's almost like how the Bible says he'll, he'll prepare a table in the presence of your enemies. There's going to be people that don't like the move of God. That's okay. I just come to tell you today, let the dove fly anyway. If they don't like it, that's okay. They'll find a church that wants to pin it down. But here at Creative Church, we're going to let the dove fly. Can I get a big amen? Perhaps the presence of persecution doesn't indicate that something's wrong. It may validate that everything's right. 
And as the world becomes more and more worldly, and the world begins to drift into more and more deception and confusion, they're going to look in here and they're going to have problems with us. They're not going to like the songs we sing. They're not, they're not going to like our kingdom allegiance to God. They're not going to like the things we believe. They're not going to like the things we teach. But I've come to tell you, let the dove fly. Who cares what they, at the end of the day, my allegiance isn't to if they like it or not, if they approve it or not. We're in here serving the king of kings. And when the dove is flying, lives can be changed. Hearts can be transformed. Anything could happen when the dove begins to fly. When the dove flies, the people are changed. When the dove flies, the religious are critical. I want to show you this verse 15. It says, but when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the, watch this, children crying out in the temple, saying, Hosanna, son of David. When the dove flies, people are changed. When the dove flies, the religious are critical. When the dove flies, hear me, the next generation's faith is cultivated. When the dove flies. The Bible says that once the dove begins to fly, people begin to be healed. When the dove begins to fly, the religious start to say stuff. And when the dove begins to fly, the kids begin to sing. The next generation begins to become stirred by the power of God. And they begin to sing, Hosanna, Hosanna. Isn't it crazy that the kids recognized the Messiah and the religious people didn't? And Jesus said in their mouths, it's perfected praise. Jesus said, unless you come to me with childlike faith. Notice this. The next generation has a revival. When the older generation sets the dove free. Can I tell you something? You know what worries me? Just being honest with you. Can I just be honest with you people? Between me and you and you can't tell anybody else. Don't tell first service, second service, third. This is between us. I'm worried about my kids. Because I have a cool church. I do. You got a cool church. Look at this. This is so cool. Look how cool we are. You come to my church, I got 1,580 chairs. You come to my church, it's several services a weekend. You come to my church, it's awesome. People come in, we got parking lot problems. We got kids, we got, it's awesome, it's cool. And, and, and we got cool production, we got cool screens. Look at our stuff, look how cool, look, look, look at that thing. I don't know what that thing is, but it's cool. I mean, I mean, look at these lights, look how cool they are. I mean, look at that, Truth Lives here, look at that. Look at, look at that. They have a light with a stencil on it. That has to be life-changing. That's amazing. It's amazing. It's all great. God uses it. But I'm worried, and me and Pastor Jonathan were talking about it last night. What we're worried about is that we've become so good at production, our kids will never see power. I'm talking about my church. I'm talking about my preaching. I'd be afraid that I could box something so well that makes people come that the dove never got free and my kids never sang Hosanna. I'd be afraid that I learned how to preach so well that people liked it and it paid the bills and it paid my staff and it got everything going, but there was no anointing in the room. Is it possible that we can learn how to do church without God? Is it possible that I can learn to preach and trick you into thinking I'm anointed? That's what I love about this church. Your pastor's heart for being an excellent church, doing it the best he can do it. Doing the best, doing it with great quality and excellence, making our God look good. I love it. I love it. But one thing he understands we were talking about it. All this stuff, we use it for the glory of God. We know it ain't the glory of God. We know there's something powerful when the dove flies. And watch this. That screen don't got to be on. I'm glad it is on. But when the dove flies, you know, I've been in hospital rooms with people dying. People dying. 
and I felt the dove in that room. You know, I've been in prison. I preached in a prison one time with 500 inmates, and the dove came in there. I've been in little storefronts. I grew up in the storefront church. You don't know nothing about the storefront church. Holy Ghost camp meeting, foot stomping, Holy Ghost headquarters, and tongue talking, sin hating, King James Version aisle running, pew jumping kind of people. That's what I grew up in. Our preachers weren't always right, but they were rarely in doubt. Rarely in doubt. Watch this. In those little storefront churches, we didn't have anything but a, but a guitar and a tambourine lady. We always got, you always have a tambourine lady. You know, somebody does that. That's when you know you've been to church. When somebody does this, you've been to church. You don't know church until somebody does one of these numbers, and now you've been to church. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? You just scared the devil out of every Episcopalian, Catholic, Epis you know what I'm saying. Now listen, listen. Been in those little churches, I laugh at it, I make fun of my dad all the time. I still make fun of my dad, he's, he's all about it. But watch this, I've been in those churches and felt the dove. I've seen people's lives be changed. One time my dad was preaching and a man came in to kill him in the storefront church. He had like an eight-inch knife. I was on the base. And it was huge. And it was one of those long services. Come, I got it. I got it. I'm up there like, I'm like eight years old. Because when you're the pastor's kid at a small country church, you are the staff. He's up there. And a man comes in. God touches his heart right off the street, smelled like booze. His name was Roger. He come in the room, came to the altar with tears, pulled his knife out, laid it on the altar. Told my dad, I came to kill you tonight, but God touched my life, gave his life to Christ, attended our church. Can I tell you something? How does that happen? How, how do you explain that? The dove came in the room. How do you explain it? I want my kids to know that. I want my kids to know that we can do big things. Don't misunderstand that. I want my kids to see that we do church with excellence. I want my kids to see that we, we believe God can reach the unchurched and de-churched and the broken and the lost and the confused. And, and, and I, I want my kids to see it, but I never want my kids to come to church and never see a tear, never feel it, never stand at an altar. Never have hands laid on them. Never have a prophecy. Never anybody speaking over them. Can I tell you today? Set the dove free. Just set the dove free in your own life. And watch this. Your kids may be waiting on it. According to this, they are. If you could talk to my wife and I, I always tell my wife, I'm so worried that we can become so good that we don't need God. I want to depend more on the Holy Spirit. I want to see signs and wonders. I want to see God. I want to see our churches full. I want to see people in prayer. I want to see people. I want to see demons cast out. I want to see somebody's leg grow. I want to see somebody's eyesight come back. I want to see somebody. I want to hear a phone call. Say, Pastor, I got a call yesterday. Pastor, an email. Pastor, my, my, my test came back negative. Thank you for praying. That's the kind of God we serve. The dove can still come down. If you will, just stay to me all over the room. Creative Church, you're throwing me off my notes today. Watch this. Let me, let me close with this thought, and I want to pray with you. I went to my dad's house. We were on vacation the last few weeks, and I go in his yard, and he has this big, he has this big a cage in his backyard. I'm like, what, what is this? He says, I, I bought two doves, stuck them in the, that big cage. He didn't know I was going to preach this. So immediately my ears are perked up like, you better say something I can use in Minnesota. 
and he did. We began to talk about the cage and why it was so big. He began to inform me that doves need not just a little cage. For doves to flourish, they need what is called a habitat. They need excessive space. They need room to fly. They need, they can't be pinned down. They can't be boxed in. If you want more of the Holy Spirit, you got to make a habitation. You got to make room and say whatever you want to do, whatever you want to say, I'm no longer in the business of telling you what to do. You get to tell me what to do. I'm no longer in the business of you serving my interests. I'm serving your interests. I make space for you. So here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. They're going to lead us in that song, and I I didn't pick the songs today. The songs lined up perfectly today because the dove's in the house. Here's what I want you to do. If you're in the room today and you say, I want more of the Holy Spirit in my life, I just want you to raise your hands toward heaven. Just right where you're at. Raise your hands toward I want the dove. I want my life to be changed. I want my heart to be transformed. I want you to lead me and guide me and convict me of sin again and forgive me of my unrighteousness and, and wash me clean. I, I want to be new. I want to see miracles. I, I want you to use me. Work in me. Work through me. Do what only you can do. Do what only you can do. Come on, sing it all over the room. Come on, the doves in the house. Come on, the doves in the house. I make room, God. I make room. I'm going to forgive him once and for all. I make room. I'm going to forgive her once and for all. I'm making room. I'm going to close the door on the past. That's for somebody right there. I'm going to close the door on the past once and for all. invite you to this moment. I believe in the power of the altar. Is that okay? I said, is that okay? I would love if you were in the room and you said, I want to make room for the Holy Spirit in my life. I want you to just step out of your seat. I don't care if you're way up there or way down here. Just come meet us up here and let's tell the Holy Spirit, you got room in here. You got room in my life. You got room in my address. Show up at my house. Show up in my children's life. Show up in my family. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name.
in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Today, I unleash you. I unleash you. There's a lady back here, blue cup, silver. I can't see your hair, but you got blue cup in your hand? Yeah, you. I pray over you right now in the name of Jesus that the dove be free in your life. That today, he's going to show you how good he is in the name of Jesus. I pray he blows your mind. I pray he shows you how good he is. I pray he, he shocks you. I pray that when you open your life to a more expansive way of God, I pray that he's going to fill you with wisdom and insight and direction. And today is the beginning of a new day, a fork in the road, a new change, a new season, a new chapter. Thank you, Jesus. Whatever you want to do, God. Whatever you want to do, God. children began to sing. The reason I've, I believe I was impressed by God to preach this word, because I felt impressed to tell you that I believe revival, hear me, I'm not, I don't just say this to hype you, I believe this in my soul, that revival is coming to Creative Church's next generation. So here's what I want you to do. If you're under the age of, I don't know, let's say, let's say, 25 and under. Raise your hand. 25. All right. Stretch your hands forth to everybody in that 25 and under range. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that they will cry Hosanna, that they will see the goodness of the Lord. Father, we pray for revival to come and miracles to come through them. I pray you fill them and baptize them with Holy Ghost and fire. I pray in the name of Jesus as we are in agreement today that they will be people who call on the name of the Lord. They will stand in truth. They will be empowered by your spirit. They will lay hands on the sick and they'll see them recover. We pray, God, they'll be senators and lawyers and business owners and millionaires and billionaires. Let it be so, God. Let the dove fly. Father, I pray that none of them will die with a needle in their arm, that none of them will be in a jail cell, that none of them will end up in a psych ward, that none of them will ever take their life. We plead the blood of Jesus. We plead the power of the blood over their lives and their minds. And we declare and we decree and we prophesy world changers and they will declare the word and the work of God in the earth in this day and let them shake the foundation as the Bible said turn the world upside down in Jesus name if you believe it today put your hands together give God a big praise Hey, if this sermon blessed you and your family, I want to encourage you to be a truth partner. You can do that by simply going to creativechurch.com slash give and partnering with us to help get this message of truth out to more people 
in our nation and around the world. It is our truth partners that make this a reality. Again, thank you for subscribing to our channel. Thank you for liking today's video. We'll see you back here on the channel real soon.